Yeah, those of you listening at home, you can have a seat as well, just at ease there, in, in your jammies, on your couch, or how, however you're participating. It really is good to be back here, seeing people face-to-face and people I haven't seen uh, in a while. Um, and it's fun seeing what uh, the book of Proverbs has for us, where God's Word intersects our soul and the things that, that uh, impact our lives and the things that, that shape our lives. We, we know that fires are burning out of control across our state. Um, it, it's frightening. Uh, there's, a, there's a smoke cloud that covers, I think, most of our state right now. Uh, homes have been lost. Some lives have been lost. An out-of-control wildfire is terrifying and destructive. And James' epistle says this, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. (laughs) How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And in the next verse it says, And the tongue is a fire. A forest fire started with words. Across our state, across our communities, maybe in our homes, Words are burning paths of destruction. Shouted words, whispered words, printed words, posted words. Words can create and words can destroy. As we looked at last week, we saw in Proverbs 18.21, it says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we raise the same question as we look at the the second half of this topic of communication skills. The question is this, if words are so powerful, then why are we so careless with them? Our big idea, again, is this. Let God's wisdom breathe life into the way that you speak. Um, The wisdom of God himself Uh, speaks into our lives and into our hearts about the way that we talk to and about one another. Uh, And again, just to set the tone, uh, that whole chapter 3 of James um, that I quoted the the wildfire verse from uh, is about this whole topic. And and he makes these three points. One is that we all struggle with destructive words. Every single one of us. This is the message for me. It's the message for every single one of you. So as we go through these different Proverbs, um, resist the urge to start thinking about all the other people who, who need this message and uh, think of James' words that says, we all struggle in this way. And James reminds us that words, uh, destructive words are incompatible uh, with being a follower of Jesus. It's not just uh, uncivil, it's, it's unchristian. And then he wraps it all up by reminding us that, uh, on the other hand, we can use our words to reap a harvest of peace and of beauty and of righteousness. And of course, this is what we all want. This is what we desire. Um, and this is what we desperately need the Lord's transformation power to make happen in our lives. So if you're following along in the notes, uh, if you are here last week, you might notice that they're the same notes we're going to try to finish this week. Um, and it's, it's so pleasant out here that it shouldn't be a problem. So last week we saw the first two ways. I'll let that pass. So the first two ways that, um, that God's wisdom transforms 
or should <laughs> transform the way that we talk to one another. And just just quick review. Uh, the first of those is that words of the wise, they're heedful, not rash. Uh, we hold our tongue. We don't just, you know, blurt out the things that come to our mind. Um, the wise just on average talk less <laughs> is what Proverbs tells us. Uh, Proverbs ten nineteen says too much talk leads to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. So some of us need to post that, you know, somewhere prominent. Hold your tongue when you're tempted to belittle someone, when you're tempted to talk before listening, when you're tempted to give unsolicited advice, when you're tempted to speak in anger. Just hold on to your words. Be heedful, not rash. And then the second thing we looked at is how the words of the wise, they're, they're honest, <laughs> not deceptive. This, um, this passionate resolve to really only say things that are true, uh, a devotion to the policy of truth. Because, again, the words of Proverbs chapter 12 says, lips that lie are disgusting <laughs> to the Lord. They're, they're repulsive to God. We, we, uh, we use uh, deception to bypass all kinds of uh, unpleasant situations and try to get ourselves out of a bind or not address something or to make ourselves look better or whatever. We use deception for a lot of these ways. But the policy of truth is always best in the long run. So that's what we looked at last week. Now we'll look at the, the second two ways that God's wisdom transforms our speech. Because quite honestly, you can um, be devoted to saying only what's true and still your words can be uh, unwise. <laughs> they could be uh, impractical. They could be uh, immoral. And they could be uh, unspiritual, even if they happen to be true. So number three... Or the first for today is this. The words of the wise are humble, not arrogant. The wise are humble and not arrogant in the way that they talk. Because we know that words can be true and yet still be filled with, with arrogance. This, um, this tone of, of superiority or sometimes a tone of, of self-righteousness that can permeate uh, our speech and the way that we talk to one another. So listen to the voice of wisdom in Proverbs 21, 24. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. And that arrogance in our words uh, takes many different forms. Here's just a few. Um, It can come across... In this way, just the, the know-it-all. That's kind of the expert on everything. They, they always uh, have a better way to do the thing that you're trying to do. They always have um, a better, you know, opinion. They know a better restaurant. They know a better this. They have all the facts on something. The, they have a, a more a wealth of trivia, and they dish, dish that out in a know-it-all way. That, that's, that's arrogance. But another way this comes across is... Um, simply being unwilling to admit when we are wrong. And James has already told us that uh, we all stumble in, in many ways, but in particular in this way with the things that we say. So when we are humble in our words, um, we own up when we've blown it. Also, this, this mocking um, 
the, the proud and haughty, the arrogant, can come across in just this kind of dismissive tone, which in our house we call it the duh tone. It's just this way you talk that just makes it sound like, you know, everyone else is just, you know, ridiculous and, and um, you know, ignorant, and you just come across uh, as superior. This is sometimes the way that, uh, that youth are talked to. <laughs> this is sometimes the way that elderly are talked to in this, this patronizing way. It's sometimes a tone that's used with our, you know, people who are serving us, like a waitress or waiter. It might be used with employees. It might be used in our own family. Um, the the duh tone has no place uh, for a follower of Jesus. But perhaps uh, worse than all of these is is when this manifests in an openly mocking, uh, openly mocking words against those or to those or about those that we somehow deem less than us. Proverbs 17, 5. Listen to wisdom. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. When we mock other people because we feel above them in some way, it's an insult to our maker, the maker, the creator of people, the creator of heaven and earth. And this mocking or, or derision, the words and tone that betray that you think you're better than somebody else, um, it can come across in this, in something as uh, repulsive as belittling uh, someone's disability or stereotyping an ethnicity or mocking a cultural tradition. It can come across in, in labeling as ignorant or inferior those who, as simple as they, they live in a different state or they, uh, they vote differently than you. We can have an altar call right there, maybe. Or they listen to different music. Or they cheer for different teams. I see some teams represented this morning. And James reminds us, it's not just uncivil when we speak that way. It's, it's unchristian when we speak that way. And it's interesting that both Proverbs and James gives us the exact same reason why uh, we shouldn't do that. Uh, James 3.9 says this, with our words, we bless our Lord and Father. And with our words, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So Proverbs talks about insulting our maker. And James talks about, um, you know, this, this split in our, in, our, in our minds and in our, in our words where we can say, uh, you know, blessings to God. But then we can say things uh, hurtful or demeaning toward those that God has made. The, the person or group that you think the least of is a special creation of God, <laughs> created in the image of God. So when we mock, when we, when we speak uh, disparagingly about uh, individuals or groups of people, we are mocking the Creator right in the presence of the Creator. Uh, many years ago, uh, we have this friend. She, tends to, she just tends to say what's on her mind. Um, you know, with very little filter. Um, uh, she gave me some good fashion advice back in the day. I didn't necessarily heed it, but I'm sure it was accurate. But anyway, we were with this friend and some other people at this other guy's house, and this guy had all this artwork uh, around his living room and his house. And, uh, and, and this friend of ours that tends to speak her mind was looking at one of these paintings. You can probably see where this is going. And uh, she was just kind of standing there observing this. And so the guy who, who lived there asked her, you know, what, what do you think about it. And I don't know her exact words, but the summary was, I think it's a lame painting and uh, 
I, I don't like it. And uh, and the guy whose house it was uh, said, okay, um, I painted that. And so he, he was an artist, and he painted, and uh, and she was there criticizing uh, this painting as if it had no you know personal connection to him. That, that's what we do when we speak down to people who God made. And uh, I defy you to find somebody that God hasn't made. <laughs> they're his creation, and uh, they're in his image. Uh, each person is is somewhat of God's uh, self-portrait. <laughs> and so when we mock, when we belittle, when we talk down to somebody or about somebody, we are uh, talking down um, to the creator about not just his portrait, but about his uh, self-portrait. So that, that's how God views it. The words of the wise, on the other hand, are humble. They're, they're not arrogant. We, we don't place ourselves above others when we, we speak to one another. So we think before we speak. We speak only the truth. Uh, we let our words be humble. And, and finally, the last, uh, the last theme in this area in Proverbs is we let our words be full of life. Because the words of the wise are healing, not hurtful. Number four, if you're following along in the outline, words of the wise are healing. They're not hurtful. And so we go back to where we started, how words are so powerful. They're powerful for good. <laughs> they're powerful for evil. They're, they're powerful to heal. They're powerful to hurt. Proverbs 18.21 again should be a theme verse. Is The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. De- death or life in the power of the tongue. So God gave you and I a tongue <laughs> to bring life. Uh, we were given the ability to communicate in order to bring healing. And, and I just thought of this uh, kind of strange scenario. Just imagine with me for a moment. Um, it, it's time of war. And casualties are many, and medics are few. And an army surgeon conscripts your help. He says, I need your help. Here's a scalpel. (laughs) I'll teach you to use it. Um, And the ward is full of people with bullet wounds needing addressed. But instead, you walk through the halls with your scalpel and just kind of just poke holes in people. Um, That guy, uh, I don't like him. He has bad breath. Just kind of stab a few holes in him. That guy has a funny accent. You know, that guy's always slow in the mess hall line. And slashing at people. This is what it's like to use our tongue to, to injure instead of to heal. Proverbs twenty five eighteen says, Our words can be as harmful as hitting someone with an axe, as wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. And how easy it is, if you're in that scenario, how easy it is and doesn't take any real thought to uh, to slash somebody with a sharp object. That takes no um, no real skill or anything. But uh, how how difficult it is to actually learn to and use your scalpel to, uh, you know, extract a bullet from somebody who's been injured. And so 
I was thinking about this in the way that we, we talk to one another. To have words that are healing, uh, we have to be really cautious. We have to practice a lot. We have to be uh, instructed uh, with the wisdom of God on how to have healing words. But really, it comes back to, you know, in our heart, do we want to uh, heal or do we want to, to hurt? We could do that with our words. And so uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, we get several examples of how words can hurt and how words can heal. And I just want to give just four uh, quick uh, examples of each from the book of Proverbs. So here, here's some ways that words can hurt. Uh, gossiping words. <laughs> Proverbs 16:28 says, gossip separates the best of friends. People can be, you know, tight and have this close relationship, this close friendship. And, uh, you know, words are said, rumors are spread, and uh, a long-time relationship is just ripped apart. So Proverbs has uh, just a ton to say about gossip. Uh, also, chapter eleven, thirteen, chapter 17, 4, chapter 18, 8, and on and on and on. And I think some of these are all listed, maybe all these are listed in the bottom of your, your notes that you can look up. So gossip hurts. Another kind of words that hurts is uh, inflammatory words. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, "A troublemaker plants seeds of strife." Um, I, I think we've seen it obvious that um, that media has taking taken this to a whole level of uh, art form and expertise of of fostering strife. You know, of planting seeds of strife. Uh, because uh, we don't tend to stay engaged very long unless we're, we're worked up about something. And so it's just, it's just part of how it works, that uh, we're intended to be constantly worked up. And so the troublemaker plants these seeds of strife. And so we need to not only uh, stop the spread, but, but uh, not give an ear to that. So gossipy words, inflammatory words, and then just harsh words. Proverbs 15.1 says harsh words make tempers flare there there's a way we could talk to one another that's just abrasive it's um it's aggressive it's it's a tone that that just grates on other people a harsh word that's when tempers fly and and finally another kind of words uh, another kind of way we hurt with our words is words that are just uh deceitful and we already talked about um, you know, being committed to a policy of truth. Proverbs fifteen four says, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So here it talks about, you know, the hurtfulness of uh, words that are not trustworthy. Promises that are, that are broken. Um, untruths that just, that just crush a person's spirit. On the other hand, <laughs> uh, we were actually given our tongues, given the, the gift of communication to heal. And here's just a few ways uh, Proverbs describes um, healing words. And I'm sure you could think of some, some others to add to the list. Here, here's four. The first is uh, godly words. <laughs> Proverbs 10.20 says the words of the godly are like sterling silver. You know, a very high, you know, a value. They're, they're precious. They're a gift. The words of the godly. And I think when we have been uh, abiding, you know, drawing close to Jesus, spending 
those uh, intimate moments, letting him shape our lives, um, maybe in, in a quiet time, in a Bible study. Uh, when you emerge from that, the words you say uh, are like treasures rather than just the flippant words that we sometimes use. So godly words heal. Uh, trustworthy words heal. Proverbs eleven thirteen. Those who are trustworthy, they can keep a confidence. When you have a, a, a friend or um, you, you know someone you trust, and you, you know that when you um, open up to them, that they're going to take very good care of the words that you say. They're not going to spread those. They're not going to be the gossip. They're not going to use them against you. Uh, that is a um, that is a place of healing. Uh, we need to be that for each other. A uh, third way here words can heal is is just encouraging words, words that that comfort and and give courage. Proverbs twelve twenty five among a bunch of others says this: Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Oh, the power of the things that we say! We can tear somebody down. Or we can lift them up. And there's, there's people probably here, uh, definitely here, definitely around us, that are just hanging on by a thread. The things that are going on in their lives, um, crises of, of finance and health and relationships and the world. <laughs> people are hanging on by a thread. We can come by and just snap that thread. Or we can come by and uphold them and lift them up with encouraging words some of you could probably think of a time when you were just hanging on barely and somebody's encouraging words came and lifted you up so one other way that proverbs talks about words that healing is simply called gentle words (laughs) proverbs 15 4 gentle words are a tree of life a tree of life makes me think both of the the stability of a of a tree, you know, it root, its rootedness and and the fruit of it and the nourishment of it. Tender words, words spoken in in kindness and thoughtfulness and tenderness. It's a tree of life. Uh, we can be that to one another. So one final this last proverb we're going to read for today. It's kind of a summary of a lot of these comments. Um, made in the other Proverbs. And this is Proverbs twelve eighteen, And maybe you just want to circle that one or something. Proverbs twelve eighteen, it says this. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. <laughs> Simple as that. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So how are you going to use your scalpel? <laughs> How are you going to use your words for healing or for hurting? Um, several of the ladies uh, in our church, they uh, just recently went through the book, uh, Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. Um, it, it dealt with a lot of these same themes about the way that we use our words, the way that we control our tongues. Uh, interesting, there's another book actually by the same title um, that made uh, sort of a it kind of made ripples through our nation uh, several years back. Words that hurt, words that heal by a rabbi, Joseph Telushkin, I think is maybe how you say his name. Um, he, he actually, uh, his book inspired this uh, bipartisan Senate resolution to establish a national Speak No Evil Day. 
Anybody heard of this? Apparently it didn't catch on. So uh, this was in 1996, and so the idea was, the resolution was that May 14th, 1997, and 1998 would be, here's the quote here, a day for which Americans would go for 24 hours without saying anything unkind or unfair about or to anyone. So I don't know uh, why that didn't stick. Maybe it just seemed impossible. But uh, to go 24 hours without saying anything unkind or, uh, or unfair about or to anyone. As followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, and it's a whole other resource that, you know, maybe the general public doesn't have. Um, And so we're called to something much greater than try to hold your words for 24 hours. We're called to a a lifestyle of uh, using our words to breathe life (laughs) rather than to suck life out. So here's here's my challenge, parting challenge, because I know you want to fill in that last blank on your page, is simply this, speak no evil. Uh, start with 24 hours, and then every morning when you get up, just start over again. A new resolve to speak no evil. It's, it's not just civil, it's, it's Christian. It's becoming of those who claim their allegiance to Jesus. So let God's wisdom breathe life into the way that you speak. And so let's call on him right now in prayer uh, and ask him to do just that for us. Uh, Lord God in heaven, you, you made our, our tongues, <laughs> our mouths, our ability to communicate. Um, sometimes we might wonder if you regret that, but you, in your wisdom you did. And, and we call on you right now, asking for your, your help, that you would, you would shape the way that we talk to and about one another. That it would, um, that it would be, our speech would be characterized by an understanding that people are made in your image uh, by you. And may that just permeate the, our conversations. Uh, Lord, we obviously are in great need of your help to do this, um, but, but you've offered your help, and so we, we fall on that. Thank you for your great patience and, and love uh, for us, and, and thank you for these words in Proverbs that, that instruct us. We give thanks in Christ's name. Amen.